Get the inside scoop on what VCs are thinking and where they are investing today and tomorrow. Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music guide you through the opaque world of venture capital and reveal all the ways you can source capital for your company's growth. It all starts right here with Ann Kennedy and Jillian Music on VC Confidential. Welcome to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy and I'm here with my host, co-host and partner at Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music. Together we are managing directors of the Sibylla Masters Fund and you can learn more about that at masters.vc. This show is for investors and entrepreneurs alike. We are going to rip that opaque lid off conventional venture capital and show you how it works. And there you have it, folks. Hi, Jillian. What's on your mind today? Hi, Anne. I've been thinking this past week about venture capital funds, um, you know, how they form and market and express their investment thesis. So knowing which VC to ask for capital is critical for entrepreneurs. That makes good sense, right? But knowing which VC firms you'd like to invest in and with, you know, that means become an LP, a, a limited partner, right, is also critical for investors. So all the stakeholders in this conversation want to have some alignment, managers, the investors, the LPs in that fund, and of course, the entrepreneurs. I'd like to talk about how venture capital fund investment thesis are created, what they mean, uh, how do VCs develop one of their own, how can investors leverage an understanding of fund thesis to align their own early stage in company investments with their own goals, and how can entrepreneurs better target VCs when pitching their company's capital growth. Hmm, venture capital fund investment thesis. Huh, that's a mouthful, Jillian. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> point seated. <laughs> yeah. Like so much in the world of venture capital, fancy words and phrases surround reasonably simple concepts. You know, most of this fancy language sh simply shuts out the non-cognoscenti from the conversation. In other words, exclude the uninitiated. So <laughs> let's yes. start with our usual process for ripping the lid off this opaque world of venture capital with a definition. According to our friends at Founder Institute, an investment thesis is the strategy by which a venture capital fund makes money for the fund investors called limited partners or LPs, as we already said. It identifies the stage, geography, and focus of investments, as well as the unique differentiation of the firm. Ah, now that's much better, isn't it? I mean, really, a thesis is the rudder in the water that helps VCs quickly know whether they're going to continue the conversation or send an entrepreneur on their way, uh, hopefully with a recommendation to speak to a colleague whose thesis is in alignment, you know, with that entrepreneur's business and all of that. But, you know, that, that's a whole other issue, you know, for another topic, <laughs> another day, right? Uh, building right. a group of VCs who are gracious with their time and their references. Mm -hmm. All that notwithstanding. If you match up with the thesis, you have a much better chance of getting funded. So that's the, the salient piece, right? But here's the deal. That last part really contains the salient issues, right? The stage of growth of the company. Is it seed, series A, B, pre-IPO, something else? Who knows, right? Geography. 
There's no use pitching your U.S. venture to a Canadian venture firm that only invests in Canada now, is there, right? And there's no use investing your capital in such a venture firm if your goal is to increase, uh, I don't know, entrepreneurial growth in Africa, right? You've got to figure out whether or not, even geographically speaking, it meets your goals as an investor or entrepreneur. The focus on investments. This is about the industry sector, right? What uh, industries will a VC invest in? Uh, which ones are they going to avoid? Uh, do you want to fund companies that are building AI or IoT or blockchain or cryptocurrencies or pharma and e-commerce? Whatever your interest is, there's a VC firm that's going to specialize in it. So finding them as an investor is important as well as finding them as an entrepreneur. And then finally, the unique differentiation. I thought that was interesting. So what they're really asking is this VC firm funding, I don't know, diverse founders, women-led companies like we do, Heartland companies, uh, you know, central uh, US rather than the coasts or something. I know it. that's kind of part of geography and so on, but it can also be a differentiator. So that's interesting as well. Those are kind of the components. I think that makes sense. Okay, then, with a definition out of the way and a list of what in, an investment thesis contains, I'll repeat, stage, geography, focus, and differentiation, we can now see that there is no mystery to the concept of an investment fund thesis. Uh, another ri lid ripped off. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, shine a light on it, you know. Mm -hmm. With our emerging fund manager listeners in mind, I'd like to share something I recently read on a website, Going VC, an excellent website containing information for those who are interested in managing their own VC funds someday. Oh, kind of like the show. Yeah, that's yeah, it. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they do good work at Going VC. They I, do. Yeah. I don't always agree, but they do very good work. Yeah. <laughs> Going VC has posted a chart that illuminates how Going VC grades, if you will, venture capital fund investment theses. We'll put a link to that on our LinkedIn page, which you can find by going to LinkedIn.com and searching for Outlines Venture Group. Going VC breaks down their grading system of an investment thesis into these components. One, summary. Two, market. Three, segmentation. Four, deals. And five, formatting. Okay. Slightly different words, but they pretty much cover the same elements as the article that was posted over on Founders Institute website. It should be interesting, I think, to our listeners who are entrepreneurs, as well as our investors, that the last elements of going VC's grading process deals with formatting. That's interesting. I quote this business management writer, Tom Peters, on this subject an awful lot. Right. In 1982, Tom Peters said, what you say and how you say it are not only equally important, they are one and the same thing. And I have repeated that so often since 1982. VCs raise capital all the time. And I mean all the time. 
As soon as a fund is closed, they're considering who else to ask to invest in the next fund. They barely have time to begin breathing, let alone investing in new companies and so on with the sums that they collected for the current round before you're going to find them pounding the streets as it were now on Zoom and Google Meet and Microsoft Teams, but you get the idea. They're meeting with potential investors for their next fund. What you say and how you say it not only equally important when raising capital, regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur or a fund manager, right? They are one and the same thing. Yes, it bears repeating. And here's why. A sloppy deck, a deck with typographical or grammatical errors, a deck that fails to include basic critical information required for the receiving party to make a decision to move forward or send you on your way, right, are all part of the look and feel or a presentation look and feel, right? If you look professional and the buyer in this conversation, you know, the one who's going to put money into the operation, be it an investor in a fund or a fund manager into a company, right? If the buyer feels like the person pitching knows what they're doing and talking about, then the conversation moves forward. And if not, you're shown the door. What you say is how you say it. Crisp, clear communication of the salient points is a critical element to success. And I just can't say it often enough. It's a really good point, Jillian. As fund managers, we see far too many decks with factual errors, basic information omitted, and yes, even spelling and grammatical errors that indicate the business leaders are not really in command of the field, nor of their language. You don't have to be a language expert. You do have to work with with a language expert if you're not to be sure your story is compelling and demonstrates that you pay sufficient attention to detail that you can deliver uh, a superior product to the market. Yeah. Now, totally agree. About the elements of the grading system, Going VC says that the summary of a VC fund's investment thesis should contain a summary that, and I'm quoting here, presents a unique and compelling view of the industry and changes within it based on analysis and synthesis of changes and trends in the space. Okay. So I noticed that throughout the rubric of this grading system, and there's really a rubric, a chart, and you can go see it if you catch that link over in our LinkedIn page, right? So throughout this grading system of the emerging venture capital fund investment thesis, right? There goes that big phrase again, right? The phrase unique and compelling is repeated and is considered required in order for an investment thesis presentation to be considered outstanding. I think that going VC's description of what they call an adequate investment thesis as opposed to an outstanding one, right? That summary is perhaps more informative. That says, again, this is the adequate investment series uh, thesis, would accurately describe high level changes and trends in the industry. It includes several metrics that describe the key trends such as CAGR or the you know increase in the field's uh, you know financial value right CAGR and recent funding trends. I find this grading process interesting. 
that the indication is that fund managers should lay out what's already going on in venture capital, who's investing in what industry, and then state how this particular fund is going to invest in context. Now, it's not a bad way to put some perspective on the issue, I suppose, but I would be careful not to either state that you will invest in lockstep where there are, you know, already are well-known VCs putting their money today. That's akin to announcing that you know where the ball just bounced and you're going to bounce your ball right there rather than throwing it forward to meet the world's future requirements. And of course, that would be the big winners in private equity funding. Now, that's where the ball bounces next. So for the summary of an investment thesis, whether you're writing one as an emerging fund manager or reading one as a potential investor, I think you should look for the following elements to be included. Rather than listing or discussing what global trends are being written about today, Write about what current events are going on that are going to lead to some near future trends uh, as you see it. What are the emerging ways of living, working, operating businesses, communicating, I don't know, healthcare and so on that are, may not be written about yet. This is where you're going to put the money. Don't follow, lead. And with that, we have to lead into a break now for our sponsors. We'll be right back with some insights into the world of venture capital on VC Confidential. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I am Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music here talking about what you as an investor, advisor, or entrepreneur need to know about venture capital. Before the break, we started talking about investment theses and what goes into a venture capitalist investment thesis. So Jillian, how about an example of uh, some investment theses or or at least one to illuminate Absolutely. what yeah. we're talking yeah. about here? Yeah, fr- give us an example. Here. Here's one. Um, our friends at 1839 Ventures published a plain spoken article on this subject and shared their own investment thesis. They wrote, quote, in less than 140 characters is the 1839 Ventures investment thesis. And here it is. We invest in early and growth stage companies who may scale effectively, are apt to dominate a given market and display an exit potential. Hmm. That's pretty short and sweet. But does it meet going VC's requirements or cover all of the elements of Founders Institute's list of of items? This statement talks about the nature of the companies 1839 Ventures will invest in, but it does not address geography, restrict their investments to any particular industry, or even state the stage of development they will fund. What follows in this article are 547 more words, and Lord knows how many more characters, that actually do cover the cost of all these issues. So what I'm hearing you say, Anne, is, uh, you know, there's the one-liner that gets somebody's attention, and then there's a one-pager that provides the investment guidelines for the folks who are actually making those investment decisions at the VC firm. And that makes good sense. I mean, it also kind of opens a conversation. Somebody's going to listen to them and they're going to ask more questions. It doesn't have to answer all of it in one sentence. So let's throw our own investment one-liner out there, Jillian. 
we are all about transparency whenever possible. Okay. So I'll put our own words out here and see how they measure up. We say, quote, we invest in women-led, fast-growing technology companies with products in the market who are looking to redeem their stock from our fund within 24 to, to uh, 28 40, months. Uh, yeah, to 48 months, really, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, let's, yeah, give, them, yeah, let's okay. give them the whole two years, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly, 24 to 48 months, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And I think we can unpack that in also about 500 words. You know, first, our mission is to increase the investment capital flowing to female-led companies, All right? We require at a minimum one dominant female in a position of strategic and operational control. CEO, COO roles are included, other roles might qualify, but we're looking for companies with women at the helm. Enough said on that one, right? So we're really clear on that, women-led. Second. Our goal is to provide investors with earlier and steadier returns and to provide entrepreneurs with a clear path to reclaiming ownership of their stock at early investment stages. What we're talking about, seed and series A. Yeah. So the next part of our investment thesis has to do with our use of the structured equity investment model, which we use. Uh, we use the structured equity investment model to provide a structured exit for companies to redeem their stock from the fund on a schedule that is based on meeting revenue targets and a timeline that informs the multiple at which that stock will be redeemed. That's right. That's right. In plain language, our portfolio companies buy back their stock from our fund when their gross revenues reach you know, a target such that the repurchase of the stock is not going to harm the stability of the company. So I think we've made that pretty clear in our one-liner as well, and it kind of opens that conversation. Now, in that one-liner are also the words fast growing technology companies with products in the market. And that means our portfolio companies all have products already being sold in their markets. We provide capital to amplify sales. I think you call it rocket fuel, right, Anne? Yep. Zoom. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Zoom fuel. <laughs> Zoom fuel. Okay. Well, now Zoom means something else. So oh, right. We provide, it's kind of like fridge. It means, you know, can I call it? Can I call it whoosh fuel? Whoosh fuel. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're going to work on that one. <laughs> yeah, okay. But uh, we provide the capital that amplifies sales and increases gross revenues and even gross margins. We do not invest in idea stage companies or even in series B, C, D, pre-IPO, right? We're early stage investors. So we're at the seed to series A stage. And you can gather all of that from those few words with products in the market. That's right. And from the words technology companies, investors and entrepreneurs know our sweet spot is not in real estate investments or Main Street commerce. We invest in technology companies, companies building technologies that either change how we live or work or improve existing processes through the use of technology. We're really not a good match for a company that designs and manufactures clothing for the retail market. It's just not our sweet spot. And finally, those words within 24 to 48 months. That demonstrates that we're not patient capital. A lot of VC firms do say that. They say we are patient capital. We're not. We don't invest for 15, 20 years, right? Rather, we're short-term investors. We want our portfolio companies to be able to responsibly redeem their stock, which means buy it back, 
from the fund within about two to four years. And in this way, we meet our goal of returning stock to entrepreneurs in time for them to leverage it for any next capital raise they may need. And many of them don't need any at all because they're not headed for you know unicorn IPOs. So you know, that's fine, but we wanna get that stock back in the hands of our entrepreneurs. And we return a reasonable ROI to our investors in a much shorter period of time than most VC firms can offer. That's kind of our unique selling proposition. All that in 133 characters, I think actually, to be honest, 160, including the spaces. (laughs) You counted the spaces. (laughs) Of course. Well, I didn't. The the Google Doc counted them. Right. Okay. Yeah. What our thesis does not say is that we are open to investing globally. By omitting a regional restriction, we cover that issue. I think so, yeah. Okay, so do we get good marks from going VC? Perhaps, you know, I don't know. But what's important is that the thesis you develop actually describes quite neatly what is you invest in, where and when. But it's the why that seems most important to me. And that reminds me of Simon Sinek's famous TED Talk on the subject of why, how, what, which has been big in our minds lately, hasn't it, Jillian? It has. We've been thinking about this quite a bit. Yeah, it's applicable here. At the Master's Fund, we invest in women-led early-stage technology companies because the seed to Series A movement moment is the most difficult for women to obtain the growth capital they require to build substantial, profitable companies. Yeah, and actually, it's not just women, but it's it's if it's hard for any entrepreneur, it's harder for women. We know that. Yes. Um, that's the moment when women-led companies get less than 3% of VC capital. It's a powerful why, and our limited partners, the investors in our fund, agree with us on this on several levels. We're making a social stand to change the flow of capital. That's our stance, actively moving more of it to women leaders. But we also do this because long-standing and ongoing evidence continues to demonstrate that women-led companies return higher ROI to their investors. Yeah, among other things, women-led companies generate more capital per invested dollar than all male-led teams, right? Women-led companies demonstrate a greater propensity to build diverse teams. A woman uh, leader tends to solve problems that are different than uh, what the men would be solving. They're not necessarily looking at the same things. Uh, And while our investments are not directed solely to what we would call femtech companies, they are certainly uh, are both financial and social benefits to investing in women-led companies. So our LPs are aligned with this double bottom line goal, right? That they can do well by doing good. Now, sometimes the investment thesis of a a fund reveals its likelihood to succeed. And I think that's very informative, right? Fund managers, for example, who would talk about a thesis that includes market research to find a successful company in one continent in order to replicate it on another, they call that patterning, right? kind of reveals how they think. Eric Hormine noted in his article published on Medium, and he said, 
investors, especially in emerging markets, are usually more comfortable to invest in something that has a global equivalent, which allows them to see a pattern in their investment. Very okay. interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. And I have a lot that I want to say about that, but we need to take another break for our sponsors. So this is VC Confidential, and we'll be right back. More ways you can source capital for your company's growth on VC Confidential is coming up. Welcome back to VC Confidential. I'm Ann Kennedy, and I'm here with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us this week on VC Confidential. Today, we're talking about investment thesis, uh, an investment thesis or investment theses in general, and what the different parameters are for them, the different uh, categories, and how to sort of break down what this all means. So we have, just before the break, you were quoting Eric Harmine, who is a, a, a published an article in Medium, and he used the word patterning. And that set off a little bomb in my head because one of the things that we talk about a lot in to whomever will listen and gosh, on this show, you know, we have a captive audience, right? You don't you touch go. that dial. <laughs> anyway, pattern matching seems to us to be part of the problem, doesn't it? And here's why, or here's what bothers me about it. What troubles me is it's the same old, same old issue. We've heard it all before from the conventional venture world. VCs who operate this way are looking at what was and invest in something that they believe can replicate a success that has already taken place. Mm -hmm. I have so many problems with that, um, mainly because when we want to talk about innovation, I think I much prefer what uh, David Fialco, who is the uh, co-founder of General Catalyst, a $3 billion fund, um, what he had to say about that in an interview recently, and we actually uh, covered quite a bit of it in a previous episode uh, about uh, early or late 2020. Um, and we can put a link to that too on our LinkedIn page. And his insights, what he said was, we, meaning venture capitalists, have to be comfortable making bets on young founders. And while industries like healthcare and pharma require experience, some others are so brand new that the domain expertise is actually valueless if it exists at all. Yeah. He likes to tell a story about the founders of Stripe, you know, the, the uh, payment system, mm -hmm. um, when nobody knew what it was or even what this kind of payment system could be. And they told him in their heavy Irish brogues, which I will not attempt to <laughs> demonstrate, David, by the time we're successful, virtually all of the companies who are our clients would not have been started today. You have to sort that's of right. think that one through because what right. it, what they it, don't what, even exist yet. That's right. Yeah. All of their, their clients are going to build businesses for the future. Now, really, isn't that what innovation is instead of copycat investing? I totally agree, Anne. I totally agree. You've got to put into an investment thesis in order to actually succeed in a fund. You have to do it exactly what David Fialco said. You have to be comfortable 
making bets on industries that don't exist, customer bases that have not yet been built, all of that. It, it, otherwise, you're just investing in where the ball is today or where it was yesterday. And that's not going to do anybody good. And I think we know that, again, uh, from our friends over at the Kaufman Foundation who continually report 51% of all venture capital funds return nothing to their investors. If those 51% looked forward, not back, and stopped looking for patterning, I think we would do better. Could be wrong, but I think so. So Anne, I think we've managed to explain what an investment thesis is, why it's important to investors and LPs, right? Uh, to the entrepreneurs, and also, of course, to the managing directors of venture capital funds who use this process to codify their thoughts around who, what, when, and of course, why they will make investments from their funds. I think we've ripped the lid off the opacity around this subject to reveal that it's simply a rudder in the water to guide the investment decisions of both fund managers and LPs. Now I'm gonna leave our listeners with this parting thought from Joe Trusty of Summit Partners, who summed up our conversation today pretty nicely. He said, an investment thesis tells me why I want to own this business. And that's a wrap for this episode of VC Confidential. We invite you to join us each Tuesday for a new episode as we take a deep dive into the opaque world of venture capital and share learnings and ideas on the inner workings of this most shrouded corner of business finance known as venture capital. We'd like to thank our producers at WMR.FM who graciously hosted our previous CEO coach show for more than a decade and host our new VC Confidential show now in its 40th episode. We are grateful for their long and continued support of our work. You can listen to all our episodes from both shows right here on WMR.FM and in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. I'm Ann Kennedy with Jillian Music, and we are so glad you joined us on VC Confidential. Till next week. Till next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.